ready? Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and always informative weekly blog. There you'll read, learn, and make comment about her life as a 21st century wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. On this special edition of Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, we're going to begin the brand new year with the possibility of you looking at a brand new way to care for your body, lifestyle medicine. We'll hear from three experts, Jason Beck, Amy Beard, and Henri Roca. And we thought we'd start the program with Carrie McCoy introducing each one of her guests. First up, Jason Beck. Dr. Beck, do you call yourself a nutritionist? Probably the better description is a lifestyle medicine doctor for that side of what I do. Okay. Along with being a book smart academic, Dr. Beck is a creative entrepreneur, having founded in 2006 Arkansas Specialty Radiology and in 2010 on-site imaging solutions, but it doesn't stop there. Today, we are going to spend a lot of time talking to the good doctor about his passion his passion project for spreading the healing powers and nutritional benefits of a plant-based diet. Dr. Vegan, as his friends call him, believes so strongly that most chronic illnesses, diabetes, and cancer can be prevented and often cured with healthy life choices that he is now board certified by the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the creative entrepreneur, hardworking radiologist, and vegan and lifestyle expert, Dr. Jason Beck. You're a third-generation entrepreneur. I am. I come by this very naturally. So my grandfather uh, was an inventor and actually um, brought the technology to the United States from Japan that debones chicken back before there were chicken nuggets. And uh, my father was a computer software company owner, developer of software, and uh, I've followed in those footsteps. Did you grow up in Arkansas? I did, born and raised here. Where? In Little Rock? Little Rock. And your daddy was a software engineer? Must have been very far back. Well, he yes, he was back uh, when PCs first came about. and uh, When they actually, were mainframe? Yes, actually, when he started his company, everything was on a mainframe. And uh, he had not trained in software, but uh, had an idea for software that he wanted to make. And so hired software architects to engineer that for him. So you're, you, you decide you're going to be a radiologist. Yes. Did you always know you wanted to be a doctor, or did, how did that come to be? I did from a very young age. I just uh, always had a lot of respect for them and what they did, and just always something I wanted to do. I love the science behind it. I um, love taking care of people. And uh, Jason, this is his – I want to tell everybody that doc, this is Dr. Beck's first time on the radio, and I didn't know you had a stutter, and you are very brave to come on the radio if you have a, if you have a stutter. It's like the King's Speech. The only way to get past it is to get past it, right? Oh, but you love that show, don't you? I love that <laughs> show. That was a great movie. I've watched it a couple of times. All right, so you, so then you decide you're going to go to college. Where would you go to college? Hendricks College, Conway, oh, yeah. Arkansas. All right, and you're going to be a doctor, and you're studying to be a doctor, and then all of a sudden you go, I think I'll do radiology and get exposed to radiation every day. No, really. How did that happen? 
Well, it was a combination of things. I love the technology behind it. I've been in computers ever since I was a little kid, inspired by my dad. Sure. And so um, in college, worked at the med center as a network person. And so that's always just been a strong appeal of mine. And so uh, radiology is all very computer-based. Um, CT scans are computers, MRIs are computers. And so that's what really drew me into it. And then it was kind of a constantly evolving, technologically advanced field. And oh. so I figured it would kind of keep me interested through my career with everything new coming out. So, People that are smart and that are inquisitive and creative like that have a hard time staying stimulated in their jobs. You were smart to recognize that early on. It's definitely kept my job interesting through the years. Next, let's let Carrie McCoy introduce us to Amy Beard. Dr. Amy Beard is not your typical MD. Sure. She's trained in Western medicine at the University of Arkansas College of Medicine and went to work in the ER after her residency training, but she's a lot more than that. At too young of an age, she became a patient herself, struck with a chronic illness that sent her into a life of despair and hopelessness until a happenstance meeting with a woman changed her life, her health, and her career forever. Today, she has added to her list of credentials by becoming a board-certified dietitian and functional medicine practitioner. Functional medicine is a term we're all going to be hearing more about as chronic illnesses and pharmaceutical costs rise and patients look for alternative treatments. In addition, she is an innovative entrepreneur. Dr. Beard runs her functional medical practice entirely online making her knowledge and scientific diagnostic techniques accessible to everyone, no matter where they live. This, people, is the future of medicine. Tell us about how you decided to become a doctor. Is it a, oh, wow. Is your family, is it a legacy family No, thing? not at all. What do your parents do? Um, they're salt-of-the-earth people. My dad worked um, at a power plant in Phillips County. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, and neither one of them had gone to college. So you decided to go to college. What did you graduate with? I was a dietitian first. Oh. I, I became an art. I was a registered dietitian before I decided to do, go down the path to go to medical school and become a physician. Had you already gotten sick? I had gone through a lot. I mean, looking, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Sure. So now looking back on my life as a child, I can see all the chronic issues that I was dealing with were just leading up to more and more problems that had the same root cause. They were just presenting as different things my entire life. But, um, you know, I'd always been interested. I was always very active, very interested in healthy lifestyles. And becoming a dietitian was part of that. And then I realized that I only knew kind of one part of what made us really healthy. And so I thought, you know, going to medical school would help me, of course, learn more about how the body works and how we can keep it healthy and prevent all the chronic issues that were you know, plaguing our country at the time and still, you know, becoming worse. It seems like as a dietitian and your interest in being healthy, that you wouldn't have had any health problems because as we were saying before we came on the radio, food is medicine. So, well, well, at the time you realize that um, as a dietitian, you're just counting calories. Well, it was a lot of it is was bad information. We were pushing uh, artificial, you know, diet colas on diabetics, telling them to eat margarine instead of butter. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of bad dietary advice. No, all right. So you know, the food pyramid was real big, and I'm like, this this doesn't make much sense. 
So this is what you said at amybeardmd.com. Inflammatory, inflammatory diets devoid of nutrients, too little or too much physical activity, chronic stress, lack of sleep, high toxin burdens are major contributors to chronic disease. Unfortunately, these things were barely covered and outright neglected during my medical school education and residency training. You went on to say, much of my education and training focused on using pharmaceuticals and procedures to treat symptoms while treating symptoms is necessary and much appreciated by patients. What's more important is treating the underlying root causes that are contributing to those. Yes, that's what we do as functional medicine physicians. You also said the conventional medicine approach does a very poor job of uncovering and addressing root causes of disease. As many of you know and have experienced, a typical visit is around 10 to 15 minutes and usually ends with a doctor handing the patient a prescription to treat a symptom. And then new symptoms typically develop as a side effect from the pharmaceutical I see prescription. it over and over again in my own life and those in patients that will come to see me. On your website, you said, I wanted no part of the pill for your ill approach to conventional medicine. I love that. Did you make that up? Um, I think the, that was probably you. Did you write all of this that I just read before you went to medical school or after you went to medical school and worked in the ER and then began to form, formulate all of these Oh, ideas? yeah, that was afterwards. That, you know, it was a, a culmination of all my experiences that just, and of course, the chance meeting with an, a, a functional medicine physician that got me on this path. And it, and it saved my life and it's helping me help other pe- people overcome their chronic issues. Finally, our third guest on this program about lifestyle medicine and some changes you may want to make in your approach to health is Dr. Henri Roca. Dr. Henri Roca III has done many things. Before receiving his medical license, are you all ready? He was a geologist engineer working in the hazardous waste division of Tetra Tech in San Francisco, California. There, he managed cleanup investigations and provided expert witness testimony relating to petroleum contamination. Somewhere in his 30s, he had what I call an identity crisis. Coming to God moment. (laughs) And became a licensed masseuse, acupuncturist, shaman, and had the realization that helping people is what he really wanted to do and that the best way to do it was to get a medical license. He moved back to his home of New Orleans, Louisiana, and began medical school at Louisiana State University, LSU. While studying to be a doctor, he continued to work in his field of geology as a senior hydrogeologist for Burke Kleinpeter, again investigating soil and groundwater cleanups in landfills and industrial sites. It was in 1997 that Dr. Henri Roca III graduated from LSU School of Medicine and began his medical practice. Dr. Roca is among the very few physicians in the nation who practice holistic, integrative, functional medicine. He understands there is little separation between the mind, the emotions, the spirit, and the body. He says, everything that has ever happened to you Every choice you have ever made brings you to the health 
you have today. I love that. This Louisiana transplant is now working and sharing his knowledge with the good people at Central Arkansas Veterans Administration in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he has opened a private practice in North Little Rock called One Medicine Wellness Services. You have a strong opinions about our diet, our habits, the power of prayer meditation, touch therapy, about food as medicine, and about blending all of these aspects with Western medicine, because after all, you're a scientist. A scientist and an observer, observer of, of what makes humans human, of our condition. You know, there's an art to medicine and there's a science to medicine, and we have to use both of those components. And then there's the unknown of medicine. We think we know way more than we actually do about how the human body works. Many of our providers are far more certain than the data would suggest they should be. We have to take that into account. We have to include in our understanding of how a person works and what creates their health. We have to take into account all the facts that we know, but we have to also recognize that those facts change over time and they are just the tip of an iceberg. The human condition is far more filled with mystery and things that are not understood than it is with things that we do understand. And that's one of the reasons why the whole idea of choice and the whole idea of what you think about and how your mind works and how it interacts and cascades into your body, flows into your body, how your spirit works and the connections you have in the world around you, all of that also flows into our body. It turns our genes on, it turns our genes off, and it helps to contribute to either illness or wellness. When did you come to this realization? You're a geologist, you're... <laughs> I started off as a paleontologist, a micropaleontologist. Is that dinosaurs? That Well, micropaleontology is plankton. So yes, it's the other end of the spectrum from dinosaurs. They were really big. And these things you look at under a microscope. You know, my, my thesis was the planktonic foraminifera of the South Atlantic in the Oligocene epoch. Sounds it's awful. just quite the subspecialist, even within paleontology. So I know what it means to take this information and bring it down into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces. But when you do that, you get a lot of information about a specific thing, but it doesn't mean that you understand how the oceans work or the mountains work or how the planet works or how humans work. And so that is part of my journey into healing was the idea that I had known so much about something so specific and I had lost the beauty of the earth because I was a geologist. That's what my initial degree was in. Paleontology is what my master's degree was in. And, and in rediscovering the beauty of the earth, and I have to tell you here in Arkansas is one of those places where I rediscovered it. When I was eight years old, I was digging for crystals in hot springs. Way before the crystal craze started. This was the place where Louisianians came if we wanted to experience elevation. We came to Arkansas. <laughs> it was the closest set of mountains you can find to Louisiana, to New Orleans. And so I fell in love with the earth and rocks here in Arkansas, in hot springs. And, and coming back to that, it's like, wow, look, look at the mystery and the majesty of the earth. I know a lot about it. I can interpret a lot about it, but there's so much more. It's such a bigger thing. And the culture that honors that is Native culture, Native mm -hmm. American culture. Mm -hmm. They honor walking their path on the earth and recognizing nature and recognizing the seasons and how it all comes together and how it fits with the culture of the community and the life of the individual. And in that awareness, I came to the place of shamanism. 
So shamanism was actually my first step on the healing path. Now you've met the three participants in today's Functional and Lifestyle Medicine special program on Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. We'll take a short break and we'll come back and learn how each one of our participants got into this style of practicing medicine. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, starting with door-to-door sales, then telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales. And now, flagandbanner.com relies heavily on the internet and live chats with customers all over the world. Over this time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge has grown. As early as 2004, she began sharing her knowledge in her weekly blog. In 2009, she founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, and in 2014, Brave Magazine, a biannual publication. Today, she has branched out into podcasts, Facebook live stream, and YouTube videos of this radio show. Each week, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. Stay up to date by joining flagandbanner.com's mailing list. You'll receive our Water Cooler Weekly e-blast that notifies you of our upcoming guests, happenings at Dreamland Ballroom, sales at flagandbanner.com, access to Brave Magazine articles, and Carrie's current blog post. All that in one weekly email. Or you may simply like upinyourbusiness.com's Facebook page for timely notifications. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. TheFlagandBanner.com This episode of Up In Your Business is all about lifestyle medicine, and we have three people who've been on the show with Carrie McCoy in the recent past, all of whom practice some kind of wellness and lifestyle medicine. We've gotten to know a little bit about them in the beginning of the show. Now let's see what this is all about, starting with Dr. Jason Beck. How did you become so interested in diet and wellness? So my journey was a personal one that happened very organically. Uh, At age 35, I was 70 pounds overweight, and I went to the doctor for a life insurance physical and my blood pressure was a little bit high and my cholesterol was a little bit high. And so he said, well, I'll just put you on a little low dose blood pressure medicine, put you on a little cholesterol medicine. And, uh, you know, I came home that day and I thought to myself, I'm a pretty active guy. I go and, you know, ride my mountain bike with friends and I go on hikes and I try to watch what I eat and yet I'm not right. And so I was fortunate at the time uh, to be married to somebody who had explored a plant-based diet and uh, gave me the window to start to look into that. And so her offer to me was, why don't you just try it for three months and see what it was like? And so I did. And three months later, I had shed quite a few pounds. My blood pressure was back down to normal. My cholesterol was back down to normal. And at that point, I thought, there really must be something to this. And so I began about a two-year process of self-education, and I devoured every journal article, every podcast, every expert in the field, Um, just to learn everything that I could about it. And at that point, I got uh, very into it where I had transitioned my diet to a completely whole food plant-based diet and um, had gotten my family on board with this, my sister, my brother-in-law, who's an interventional cardiologist, my father and my mom, and just saw dramatic changes in all of them. I mean, my parents over the course of a few years got off all of their medications and now have normal numbers. Um, How old are they? In their mid-70s. Because of a plant-based diet, whole food yes. plant-based diet. They take no medicine. That is correct. You know how many people die? In, you probably do know. I don't know. But a lot of people die from uh, from drugs. 
Absolutely. From over-medication or side effects, really not over-medication, but from Absolutely. side effects. Absolutely. One of our top killers, actually. Is side effects from medicine? Yes. All right. Yeah. So over the course of the last decade, I've um, maintained my ideal body weight and uh, my numbers are all normal. I checked my blood pressure a couple of days ago when I went to work out. It was 100 over 65. So being 10 years older and having the blood pressure of a child just reinforces to me like I'm doing the right thing. Um, there's a new medical specialty that has emerged called uh, lifestyle medicine. And I was made aware of that a couple of years ago and was so excited about that. I went and got board certified in it. And it is a medical specialty that focuses on lifestyle changes to prevent and cure chronic medical problems. And so they focus on the things that we kind of all know to be true, right? Which are if you eat healthy and you move some and you sleep well and you don't smoke and you don't drink too much, you will live a better, healthier, happier life, right? And so what their shift is, instead of a patient coming to the doctor and taking vital signs of blood pressure and labs and everything, prescribing them medications to fix their problems, their vital signs become questions about their lifestyle, right? What do you eat every day? What's your stress level like in your life? How do you sleep? How's your social support network? Do you take time every day to relax? Um, things like that. And so it really gets engaged with what we know from these blue zones around the country, which are these areas in the world where people live long, happy lives. We can learn lessons from there and then apply that to our medical practice where we take care of patients. And that's what got me really excited because I think as we are in a healthcare crisis in this country where we're spending three to $4 trillion a year taking care of everybody, we know that can't persist, Right. And so the you know average healthcare expenditure is growing, I believe, at a 12% rate per year, which means it's going to double very quickly. And so we're on a trajectory right now where the last numbers I looked at, seven years from now, the annual household income will equal the annual household healthcare spend unless something changes. So you've seen people like Berkshire Hathaway and Amazon and J.P. Morgan Chase get into the healthcare arena. And I think that's wise that they see that we're on a crash course for something that will destroy our country from an economic level, and it's got to be fixed. And so I believe lifestyle medicine is the way to do that because most chronic problems, most cancers, most of the things that we treat can be prevented with lifestyle changes. Diabetes. Diabetes, absolutely. Diabetes is a curable disease in most, most people. Part. Yes. Or probably... 99% of the people Correct. out there. People make a choice every day what they put in their body, what they eat. They do three times a day. Probably one of the biggest choice, biggest decisions you make a day. Absolutely. Well, and it's also the largest interaction we have with our environment. I mean, if you think about it, the air that touches us, the water we drink, and the food we put in our bodies are really all that happens to us every day, right? And so that food that we put in our body is a predominant director of our health outcomes, in no yeah. uncertain terms. The the genes may load the gun, but the diet pulls the trigger, right? I watched a TED Talk getting ready for the show, and it said that there was a Danish twin study. And only 10% of our health comes from our genes. 90% of our health comes from what we eat in our life. So you talked about the blue zone a little bit, and I never heard of the blue zone till I started this interview today and the blue zone 
tell everybody what the blue zone is and so about the, the man who started it sure the by uh, the blue zones concept uh was by dan buettner mm-hmm. um he basically traveled around the world and identified the places where people led the longest healthiest happiest lives and looked at the common characteristics of what those people that lived in those places did right and the idea is you you want to like live until you die right and so our in the united states here people kind of live until their 60s and then they're going to the doctor every week and they got a bag of medications they carry around with them and they don't feel good and they just taper from there right whereas in these other areas of the world people are living vibrantly into their 80s 90s 100 right and And most of them die in their sleep Yes, which is or, the way everybody or, wants to go. Right, you want to like live long and die short, right? Yeah. And so, um, basically, what he did, which makes complete sense, is let's just look at some of the characteristics of how these people live, and let's see if we can see what the common threads are, and apply those to our life, right? And so, some of the common threads that he saw were a predominantly plant-based diet, meat uh, only like once a week. Meat is a celebration, you know, very small portions. Three or four ounces once a week. Correct. Yes. A um, lot of natural movement, um, a lot of good social support, um, living in uh, close contact with loved ones. Um, let's sense see. of purpose. Sense of purpose is very important. Um, uh, and, and, and they don't even have a word for retirement. They do not, most of them. And the ability to downshift every day at the end of the day is one of the key things and that's where um, reduce your stress through a daily ritual right right and whether you do it you know by stopping and having a glass of red wine or whether you do it by going and doing something that you enjoy doing with friends it's it's that that key i believe is to to downshift into every day and remove kind of the stress from the day and move on in your pleasant evening and those are just some of the characteristics that carried through all of those cultures prayer meditation correct. walk in the woods correct all the uh, things that we as Americans don't do near enough of in general. We feel guilty. Or at least I do. I'm like, oh, downtime. I can't have any downtime. Uh, the, I liked the one, the 80% rule. Yes, eat till you're 80% full. That Very was good rule. a great rule. Right. And I think, you know, sitting down to a meal, you know, uh, we pray oftentimes. But I think you can also, in addition to praying, you know, Give some um, consciousness to the food that you're eating, where it came from, how it was prepared. And I think when you stop and do that, you're much less inclined to kind of overeat, right? You, you eat in a much more conscious way. And so it's easier to, you know, appreciate the food that you're getting, eat to a comfortably full and stop. You're going to hear quite a few similarities between Jason Beck's story and Amy Beard's story as we find out what brought her to lifestyle medicine and wellness practices. She suffered from many problems as a young person and decided to get trained as a dietitian and then a physician to see if she could help herself. Here's the story. So you, you become a dietitian. Your right. diet is not fixing. You go, you go and become a doctor. You're mm-hmm. going to get science to back you up. Right. You go to work in the ER after your residency training. You're working in there. And then my health is deteriorating the entire time. And I'm a physician and a dietitian. And you can't fix yourself. And I can't fix myself. That's right. I'm speaking today with Dr. Amy Beard and her adorable husband, Paul, who is a um, 
organic farmer. Uh, and Amy is a board-certified online MD, functional medicine practitioner, dietitian, and a chronic illness survivor. Let's just call her a patient at one time. And I think you're cured, aren't you? So, you know. Well, yeah, it's, it's a battle still because of some of the things that have happened to okay. me. Okay, well, we're going to get to that. Uh, why did you quit the ER? Uh, the stress. Uh, the stress. You thought it was what was making you sick. It was, I mean, it's, it's erratic sleep schedules, you know, shift work. You work nights, you work days, um, high stress demands. And I wanted to I wanted to help. I kept seeing people come in for chronic illnesses on 15 and 20 different pharmaceuticals and you just see them all the time and you're like i I've, I've i've got to go help some people i was helping people in the er but i thought there was i wanted to empower people to take better care of them health so let's talk about your illness and why the hopelessness you were diagnosed with possible ms and you were treated for many chronic problems horrible and you put horrible in all caps and in parentheses on your website and you say, I mean, horrible <laughs> uh, constipation, IBS, reflux, depression, neuropathy, uh, spastic bladder, restless leg syndrome, vertigo, and rashes. Paul, were you married to her? Not that time, no. I wouldn't have been either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot right there. Uh, so let's talk about your illness and how did it first begin um looking back i was a child who was um hyperactive uh literally was told that i could climb walls i was had repeated strep infections lots of allergies and then that progressed to as a teenager lots uh, issues with depression anxiety acne but a lot of people get that but mine was really bad um and then it was uh restless leg syndrome dizziness orthostatic hypotension i was passing out and it just kept getting worse and worse no matter what i did i'd been to all kinds of specialists even as a young child even as a young child did your mother believe it could be diet related no nobody ever connected those dots no it was you know uh no one ever mentioned that ever not that a and I've asked mom about it, but no, that that was never mentioned. You had surgery. I uh, had, how old were you when you had your first surgery? Um, I didn't. Have, my first surgery was the the abdominal the col- the colectomy the partial colectomy that I was uh, third. Gosh, were you in medical school? I I was well, I was in my residency, uh, my first year of residency, and they did not like the fact that I had to have that done. <laughs> Because they got knocked out of a, of a resident, you know, but um, it had to be done. It, it reached the point where I was just being extremely a, sick. You think being a patient has made you a better doctor? Absolutely. Yes, I can relate. I felt like an experiment for most of my life. Mm-hmm. Paul's nodding. Um, so you've quit the ER. You're at home sick. I'm just trying to paint me this picture. You're at home sick. Well, and you have to go back. I was in re- I was in residency when I had my colectomy. You know, they took all but eighteen inches of my colon because it just basically did not work anymore. Mm-hmm. I'd seen all kinds of uh, gastroenterologists, colorectal surgeons, and what have you, and that cured the chronic constipation. But then it was replaced with chronic diarrhea, and uh, then my health really started to ter- to deteriorate. And the se- the symptoms that I had prior to the surgery remained got worse and then others started to develop so it got rid of the constipation the one symptom but everything else remained the same because you haven't found the root cause exactly you're just treating the symptoms yes 
So you've quit the ER and right. you, you, how did you meet the woman that would change your life? I had opened up a concierge practice in the Greenbrier Conway area. And uh, it was just this weird chance meeting. I, I still well, don't. Well, I, I found her and I started telling Amy about this person. I said, well, she does. Since she was a dietitian, I was hearing a lot of. I was Amy, already on this path. But she just know? didn't know what it was yet. I, I didn't said, know what it was called. I said, you may want to talk to her because it's, she's, it sounds like what you want to do, but there's training for it. And then Amy met her. And she started speaking to me about things I'd never heard in medical school, a residency. And I was like, what are you talking about? What is this gut microbiome you speak of and alpha lipoic acid and all these things? And she told me about her training in the Institute for Functional Medicine. And she said, you got to go try it. Check them out. So I did. I signed up for a conference, attended it, um, did not know what to expect, but was um, astonished at the amount of information that was presented to me that I'd never really heard. I was surrounded by other physicians. And so that made me feel comfortable that this wasn't just a group of quacks and that there was, they literally, you know, they had science based, evidence based uh, research backing up what they said. And um, I was sold, and I signed up for all their conferences. All was the it ones. online, or did you have to go somewhere? Um, initially, you had to attend um, physically the locations, but then they started opening them up. to They would stream the modules so that you could attend from your home. So what is functional medicine? Functional medicine is not a specialty. That's what everybody wants to think. It's, it's just a different approach to... Um, Uncovering and treating chronic disease. You're looking for root causes and not just treating symptoms. You said on your website, the root cause of my problems was a very unhappy microbiome. Mm -hmm. Major dysbiosis. Thank you. And (laughs) she wrote it. She should know. Uh, Major dysbiosis and leaky gut, which is a term you're hearing all the time these days, you said, I discovered that I had intolerances to wheat, whey, and eggs, and those Diet Cokes that you just described, you were giving, you were telling people to go from a regular Coke to a Diet Coke, weren't helping either. That as a dietitian, you had oh, yeah. been told that was a solution. Uh, I made sure I got rid of toxic exposures. I discovered I had elevated mercury levels, mm-hmm. and a regular sleep schedule helped, too. Yes, Tremendously. So what did your doctors think when you came in and told them that? I didn't tell them anything. Are you kidding? (laughs) Well, okay, so something had to happen to make you a believer. Was there a turning point? I I treated myself. I started applying the functional medicine principles that I was learning to myself, and it was working. And what were those? First of all, I did an elimination reintroduction diet and found what out. What does that mean? You, it's, a, it's something that we do in almost all of our patients if they've never done one because it's first and foremost, you have to do that. You have to find out if you have any food intolerances. Um, you remove a lot of the, the most common ones. And then the over, ones I just listed, wheat, whey, eggs, dairy, uh, dairy, corn, soy, corn. Yes. My favorite thing. Oh, I have a lot of people who cannot tolerate corn. This gets real complicated. But it does. Quick. It is sometimes it's not just the corn. It's, you know, it's the GMO corn. It, we, you know, there's all kinds of things to consider here. S- sweet, sweet filled corn is still good for you. Yeah. I mean, sweet what? Sweet corn. You know, you're on the ear that you're eating. That's not the oh, issue. Oh, that's the same. That's okay. Because yeah. that's my favorite. Yeah, oh, yeah, I love it. It's, it's the corn. Too. It's the GMO processed corn that's almost in everything. 
It's a thickener. Like the corn syrup. Oh, yeah. The yep. high fructose corn That's syrup a, and things like that. Yep. That stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody knows don't eat corn syrup. If it says corn syrup, please don't eat corn syrup. Yeah. So you so I did you, that. You did an elimination diet, right? And so I guess you. How long do you have to do that? Um, it's it's about a sixty day process. Mm-hmm. We do ours kind of differently because we rehab um, people's GI tracts at the same time while we're re- when we start the reintroduction phase to see if you react to certain foods because it takes about three. It can take up to three days to know whether or not you have a problem with a particular. It food. takes me two days to give a reaction to wheat. Yeah. It's always a two-day. I've mine marked is, it a million times. Mine immediately causes restless leg syndrome and uh, some GI pain and headaches and joint pain. Uh-huh. So if, if I'm, if I'm going to call you up and say, okay, help me, Dr. Beard, first thing you're going to do is you're going to FaceTime with them and you're going to talk to them about an elimination diet. The process is quite intensive, um, and, and it's a good way to rule out uh, or – to weed out patients who are not going to be very good candidates for us because we you got to reco- be committed you have to be committed um and you have to be committed to making lifestyle changes because uh, those are going to come so if you're not at that point you're probably not a good fit for us and you've got to be miserable to be willing to do that well come to us before then because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's much easier to help you so are you cured yeah, for the most part yes unless i uh <laughs> fall off the wagon. Fall off the wagon. I and sometimes I'm you fall too. off the wagon accidentally. You yeah. eat something that you don't realize. Yes, I have done that. Where oh yes, this is uh, wheat free and it's not. I took the know? communion wafer for a year and couldn't figure out why every Tuesday I was inflamed. And finally, my husband said, "I bet that setting it off is yeah. wheat." And I said, "Oh, it's so awful. It's got to be just a piece of rice paper." It was enough to... It was wheat. Yeah. In every two, 20, 48 hours, every like clockwork. So, yes, you can take it accidentally. You, absolutely, you can. You can eat cheese dip that has wheat in it that you don't think is going to have it's, wheat there's in it. Wheat, there's wheat in cosmetics, lotions. Cosmetics? Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the stuff's everywhere. Amazingly, as we visit our third guest, Dr. Henri Roca to find out what brought him to lifestyle medicine, it again was a personal epiphany. Here's Dr. Roca. I came to a family reunion at Mount Nebo. I had been listening to this program that Bill Moyers did, one of the first programs about holistic medicine. You know, as I'm driving up to Mount Nebo on Highway 7, beautiful scenery, right? Just there with nature, thinking, okay, I don't know, should I do it? How do I want to do this, right? I mean, I really want to embody natural medicine and natural healing, but I also want my voice to be able to be heard. And, and, and I still really liked what I was doing in California, you know, very successful in that career. And so I went up there to Mount Nebo. I said, something big is going to have to happen to me to make this change. And so one of the first things that happened was my nephew ate a mushroom. It had to be rushed to Little Rock to have his stomach pumped out. That was not big enough. That medicine had saved the day there was not big enough. The next day, somebody actually drowned at the pool and was brought back with CPR. Not big enough. The third day... Big thunderstorm came up over the mountain, struck the cabin that the whole family was staying at, and three of my relatives got struck by lightning. 
you know, usually God speaks to you and lightning strikes when you're not listening, but that was not big enough. No. So oh not gosh. big enough. And I told my mama, this was going to have to happen. If this happened, I'd go to medical school. I went back to California. I went back to where I was living. The dog that was there that I was living with, it actually jumped up and bite me in the face. Really, I needed to go get stitches. I told my mama, something's going to have to jump up and bite me in the face to go to medical school. I just got goosebumps. I said exactly that. You've been struck by and, lightning. No, I hadn't. <laughs> Family members had. But nevertheless, it <laughs> happened really close to me, right? And it's like, okay, I get the message. So this is not a choice that I can make. This is a choice. This is, this is my life's work. This is my path. I need no to go to medical kidding. school. That is your shaman side of your brain working there, baby. That is. It's, you know, when you choose any path that you're on in life, when you choose to step on it, then God shows you the way. You do not listen, then he still shows you the way. I'm speaking today with Andre Roca, who is one of only a few doctors in the nation that practices and teaches the methodology of integrative medicine, holistic medicine, functional medicine, and Western medicine. He is currently on staff at Central Arkansas Veterans Administration and at his own clinic in North Little Rock, Arkansas, aptly named One Medicine Wellness Services. Integrative medicine is, is when you're putting many different components of other healing techniques and perspectives together. So that's using chiropractic or acupuncture or massage or yoga or Tai Chi or different energy things or working with nutrition, working with um, spiritual approaches, all of these things being brought together to to help the individual toward wellness. Integrate all these things together. Integrate them, so all of these pieces. Medicine. But okay. it's still pieces being brought together. Okay. You know, the, the wonderful thing about my training, I think of people as if they are a crystal, right? When you look at a crystal from one perspective, you only see one face. If you have many perspectives to look at that person through, it's as if you see many of the facets of the crystal. And by doing that, you get an idea about how the whole works. So if you only look at an individual through one particular lens, whether that's a conventional medicine lens or a Chinese medicine lens or, or a Vedic or homeopathy or whatever it may be, then you're, you're screening all of your information through that lens. If you can see the person from many different perspectives, you have a better chance of seeing the whole person. And that's mm -hmm. holistic. Mm -hmm. When you see the whole person, their mm -hmm. mind, their spirit, their body, how their community interacts, how they interact with their community, you know, how they sleep, even issues around financial wellness, everything that goes on with the person contributes to how that person exists in reality in this moment. Mm -hmm. And everything that they've done over the course of their life turns their genes on and off toward either illness or wellness. And that's the holistic perspective. What about the, that was integrated. What about the functional medicine? So functional medicine is when you're saying, okay, well, instead of looking at all of these different descriptors, all these symptoms, and let's just treat the symptom. Let's treat this itis or that osis or whatever it is. And, and what we do in conventional medicine is we identify those things. We give them a name and then we work to treat them with usually medication. Let's look more deeply. Let's look at how all of these things may be related to some core processes that are not in balance.
and how those processes, those functions contribute to all of these symptoms being created. Let's look even more deeply than that and say, what drives those processes to be out of balance? What kinds of choices, what kinds of things have happened over the course of that individual's life? What kinds of genetic predispositions might they have that, that lead them in this direction? So genetics would fall into the functional medicine. Genetics area. falls into functional medicine. Life choices, life experiences, life exposures. So functional, into functional medicine functional looks medicine. at your life and how it's evolved and what you're doing and your habits. And integral medicine looks at how to take all these different applications of acupuncture and diet and integrate them all into your life. Integrate them into your life, integrate them into a therapeutic plan to help you bring your life back to a better place of balance. Functional medicine helps you understand what is out of balance. If you if you use the metaphor of the stove, right, mm -hmm. and you are a pot and you got a lot of stuff boiling, then what are your choices? You could put the lid on the pot, ratchet it down like a pressure cooker. And that's what we do when we put medicine on symptoms. We just try to cap it off, right? Yeah. But the fire's still burning. So the process that's driving that symptom is still going. You may have shut off one symptom, but it's going to pop up someplace else. So Functional what, medicine mm -hmm. works to understand what's in the pot and understand what's driving the fire and work to turn that fire off. I when you turn that. that fire off, those symptoms resolve largely on their own. We don't just treat the symptoms. We go to the root of the cause. The root. The root of the root. And when you think you have the root of the root, then you ask the question why and see if there is an even deeper root. Sounds like a lot of psychology goes into this. Every chronic disease is a psychological challenge. Every chronic disease is something that has been created largely, something that's been created by a behavior somewhere along the way. And so any kind of behavior is a question of how does a person's mind work? What are they compelled by? What has, what's been reinforced in their life? And those are psychological questions. I remember when I was watching you speak, a girl said something about her eating habits and um, something, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she attributed uh, her youth having uh, sweets was a re was a reward for her as a child mm -hmm. and comfort for her and that she was having a hard time breaking away from the comfort of eating chocolate and and and, and, and like you said it it, it come it, the root came from so far back as a reward from her parents. That's exactly right. And that's why you need to understand the entire history of a person. So very often in conventional medicine, we do something called the history of the present illness. And if you let people talk about it without stopping them, they'll talk about 90 seconds at most. And do you think that that's the summation of everything you need to know? No, but with conventional medicine, we're often very happy with just a few pieces of information. When did this symptom start? When did it get worse? Does it get better? And then you work to treat the symptom. Here, yeah. it's like, so what contributed to the creation of that situation? And there you may have to go back way deep in life. You certainly have to know what the family history is. That gives you an idea about the genetics. You have to know what the intrauterine history is. When you were in utero, when you were a little baby in the womb. It goes that far what back. What was going on with your mama? that may have changed how your genes work through the course of your life.
Did she get antibiotics? Was there a lot of stress? Did she smoke? Did she use any other kind of substances? That's a critical time. Of course, mm -hmm. we all know that. In that critical time, some of those genes get turned on and they don't get turned off. Sometimes when those genes get turned on early in life, it looks like you can't turn them off. And the best thing you can do is to learn how to cope with that. So to learn coping strategies that help you work around that. Aww. Now, if those genes are turned on, like when you're five or six, it uh -huh. looks like those things can be turned off. But early in life, things sort of get hardwired at a point. We'll have some final thoughts from our three guests on today's episode of Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, featuring a broad overview of guests who have adopted the lifestyle medicine, integrative medicine, wellness approach to health. Their final thoughts in a moment. I want to remind everyone, after each show's airing, a podcast is made available on all popular listening sites and YouTube. Dancing into Dreamland is only a couple of weeks away. On February 12th, everybody's going to be gathering for the first Dancing into Dreamland in two years. Join us. We're celebrating our major construction accomplishments of the past few years. Despite the pandemic pressures, we've been able to continue all the work getting the Dreamland Ballroom up to code. Some interior restoration still to be done here in 2022, but come help us celebrate. Tickets for Dancing into Dreamland and sponsorship opportunities are still available. You know, we continue to take COVID safety very seriously, and we've amended our guidelines for the event concerning vaccination requirements. Want to let you know that proof of vaccination will be required for adults who are attending Dancing into Dreamland February 12th. Proof of vaccination can be shown at check-in or sent in prior to February 12th if you email your proof to friends at dreamlandballroom.org. A negative COVID test taken within 48 hours of the event will also be valid for entry. We're going to be setting up sanitizing stations with masks around the ballroom and all the food's going to be served in individual boxes. Luckily, we've got a very open room and that makes for a spacious seating arrangement. Dancing into Dreamland, February 12th. Before we go... A few final thoughts from our guests. First, Dr. Jason Beck. So if you're laughing every day and being happy and eat right, you're going to die in your sleep when you're 100 years old without any health problems. <laughs> All right, I got it. I'm doing it. I'm just on cartoons from now on out. Uh, do you ever eat meat? And is there anything that you're going to miss out if you just completely quit eating meat? I feel like if I never ate meat again, there'd be something I'd be missing because I don't do anything to extremes. I, you know... I don't do anything completely extreme. Right. I think in the last 10 years, I've probably consumed four ounces of meat, maybe. You're pretty extreme. I'm pretty extreme. You don't eat turkey on Thanksgiving. I sometimes will have a nibble if it appeals to me, but most of the time it doesn't appeal to me. And you're not tired? You don't think there's any... You're a doctor. You're a scientist. You're a everything. And so you don't think there's anything that you're missing by not eating meat. I mean, why do I have these two fangs right here in the front of my mouth that I'm not supposed to eat meat? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you'll notice, your fangs look more like a cow's fangs than they do a tiger's fangs. Oh. I don't know that it's it's the fact that if you do eat meat or don't eat meat, I think the biggest problem we have is the quantity, right? If you look back over history, people would take a small serving of meat, use it as a garnish or flavoring for their meal. So we, they may take a four-ounce serving of meat and split it among six kids mm -hmm. as a garnish or flavoring, right? Whereas now we think we need a four-ounce serving of meat with breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. I mean, mm -hmm. even carnivores don't do that, right? Right. Carnivores get a piece of meat every couple of days, and they're good. And so 
we're we're just eating in ways that we've never eaten before. What about a variety before. of food? Like I end up eating the same things over and over and over. So do you have a big variety and is that important? What I could say is eat the rainbow, right? Okay. So just, you know, start with your yellows, orange, reds, greens, purples, everything. I think if you eat a variety of all those foods every day or every week, you're fine. Here's a final thought from Amy Beard. Sleep patterns. You said that that was important. Do you need to stick to a specific sleep I pattern? Was, your your body likes a schedule. It wants a schedule. Yes. So try to do that. And s- sleep is everything. Without you, sleep, your body's not going to work right. So the bullet points we've talked about, sleep patterns, diet. We spend a lot of time on diet. Exercise. You can exercise too much. Yes, you can. Uh, meditation. Uh, some people don't like that word downtime. Some people don't like the word prayer. Some people like the word meditation toxins they could be in your fillings they could be they in get, your they're, air. Everywhere. they're everywhere they're everywhere yeah. is, is there a way to find them to look for them yes there, there there's websites that you can go to that can help you uh, use more natural products as far as cosmetics cleaning agents and things like that um, and that's part, we just do that as a part of educating our patients on where they might be going wrong and how they can just eliminate as many cleaning those, agents mm-hmm. yeah getting rid of the chemicals in your home well, and you'd be surprised and some final thoughts from Dr. Henri Roca. Laughter is amazing, right? Laughter, laughter is one of those things that can control pain because laughter induces the body to release the hormones that the body makes itself to control pain. Laughter is an amazing thing. It can relieve stress, relieve tension. It can take you out of any kind of stressful moment that you're in. And it doesn't have to be like spontaneous laughter. Like somebody tells you a joke, tells you a funny story, or you watch the Three Stooges or something funny on TV. You can do something called laughter yoga where people just start laughing. And, you know, people got all kind of silly, crazy little laughs. And before long, people are literally belly laughing, not because they're making themselves do it, but because they start making themselves do it. And because they're with a group of people and all these other people laughing in all kind of weird ways, you end up laughing spontaneously and deeply. And when that happens, it lifts your spirit. It relieves pain. It helps you sleep. It is a wonderful therapy. Laughter yoga. Is a great way to get to it. Uh, I do love your quote. Everything that has ever happened to you, every choice you have ever made brings you to the health you have today. We're out of time today. I just want to thank all our listeners for spending time with us. And if they think this program has been about them, they're right. But it's also been for us. Thank you for letting us fulfill our destiny. Our hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. If you miss any part of the show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to flagandbanner.com and click on Radio Show. Like us on Facebook or subscribe to her weekly podcast wherever you like to listen. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. Underwriting opportunities available upon request. Carrie's goal is to help you live the American dream.